1: From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. So excited you decided to join us. Uh, before we jump in today, um, I want to make sure I give a shout-out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. Um, they were Their customer service is and again, this is from a Midwestern boy. Their customer service is second to none. Whenever I've had any problems with, with one of my three machines, they've always been able to help us. So go over and check out Dr. Dish. mentioned, Coach Unplugged, Teach Hoops, uh, any of our podcasts, Coach Collins, and they'll give you $400 off. You won't find a better discount out there. They will take really good care of you and make sure you tell them I sent you. And then also go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It is the one-stop shop for basketball coaches. we are the only ones out there that offer 14 day free trial because we believe in our product so much that we want you to come and kick the tires. We want you to take it for a test drive. Nowhere else are you going to find a high school coach who's also coaching. Um, <laughs> I just got off a phone call with a TeachHoops.com member. So who else has my cell phone number and, and, and calls me and talks to me about things that he has uh, questions on with his team? Where else are you going to find that on the Web? Go over and check it out. Um, Like I've said before, it helps us keep the lights on in these podcasts and our YouTube and everything else free. So go over and check it out. And oh, one more thing. I forgot. I was going to say, let's head off. Uh, Go leave a review. We love those reviews. We read every one of them. Go leave those five-star reviews um, and let's head off to the podcast. Bye. Okay. So we've played it. We played in the the KMOX tournament a long time ago. I don't even think they do it anymore. Um, Not to my knowledge. Yeah, it was in St. It was in St. Louis, and then we went to Highlands. Are they the Bulldogs?
3: I uh, honestly couldn't tell. They're you. in
2: Illinois. They're in Illinois. They're really close to St. Louis, but yeah. Um, so you get pretty mild weather there. Hey, I got a question for you that I was talking to my assistants about. When what's your what's your rule on fouling in the last ten seconds of a game? Do you foul? When do you foul?
1: I've I've always been like I've I've always wanted to do the three if you're up three, you know, like under seven seconds foul. I'm and I I totally agree with it. I think the math, I just read a Brad Stevens. I'll send you the Brad Stevens article. I'm telling you,
2: I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm working on a spreadsheet right now. I'll share with you guys that like football, like you do this, you do this, because I want to do it, but I'm too freaking scared to do it.
1: So we had. Like, I'm just – I'm always afraid that we're going to give up. They're going to make one, miss the second, kick it out. And I'm like, wait a second, that was the only way I could lose was that would happen. But I also – so we played Maine East a couple – or Maine South a couple of years ago. And, I mean, like, their coach – we played one play of one three one and called it out in transition, and he back screened it for a lob dunk. Like, they are, like, the most disciplined team I've ever played in my life he had two team fouls with 16 seconds left and we did not get the ball across half court. Like they fouled us and we shot a desperate. Like they just continued to foul us. We just kept losing two seconds. seconds. And it was like the most frustrating thing ever. You know what?
2: But I bet he's practiced that. That's absolutely. I think, I think the key to that is because if you watch, what game was it? The the Badger Marquette game where, where Trice fouled and then we didn't box. I mean, Everything had to happen just right, and that's like one out of a thousand. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't happen. I think my only concern—this is why I asked the question—my only concern is I sometimes don't have the sharpest tools in the shed on the court, and I'm worried if I tell them to follow, they'll literally tackle them. Get a tech, yeah. No, or they'll get a deliberate foul. Oh, okay. So I think the key to that is teaching them how to foul. Um,
1: like as they cross half court, yeah. Like
2: when to foul, how to foul because under seven up three, I think you got to foul. I do. I, and this is 30 plus years of coaching. I've won a hell of a lot of games and I have never really wanted to do it. I think I have to start. I think the math behind it, this is what COVID will do to you. Um, says that you're not going to lose. You're not going to lose. You're not.
4: Carolina lost to Duke by doing it okay so yeah. okay so yeah. the stats teacher saying <laughs> yeah. you're fine you're giving me one I know I know, I know.
2: and I bet I can <laughs> find 10,000 10, was... that that's not the case
4: yeah, yeah no I mean I think it's about making sure you're teaching out proper boxing out too during the free throws right game. and if the there, thing is it's that hurts in high
2: school okay so let's say a foul and okay so you're up three and so what exactly has to happen for them to beat OK, so it's seven seconds. Right. And you follow. So they go to the free throw line. That means they got to, to, to they got to make they, one of two things. They have to make it. Right. And then miss, get the rebound and then put it back in.
4: Do You know, do you know if he did it? But do you know if he did it based off an NBA analytics or is it? You well, know, I don't think game? I'd
2: do it unless I had two guys I trust to box out. I, right. I definitely think that's a key. If I got five eleven guys going against yeah. step four, I don't know if I would do it. But the missing is harder than you think, unless you really practice it. Like the make and the miss is hard. That miss is hard. Right. Like that's a that's a skill that people don't practice. Um,
1: is there a certain time? you should do it at like so that you don't I think it's less than seven is
2: the magic number because let's say they make let's say they make miss and then they foul you you're you're probably down to five you you, you the key is that, to get that thing from seven to five to three to get the time like you said every two seconds um i think the, the chances of and when i'll show you the i'll show you the thing that that um stevens did when he was at DePaul. The chances of them coming down and hitting a three is much better than them making a free throw, missing a free throw and putting it back in or or missing a free throw, kicking it back out and hitting a three. That probability, this is the math teacher, is so low that it's much higher that they come down and shoot it an off. Think about all the ones we've seen at the end of a game where they just, you know, just wet and it goes in and that's overtime.
4: The, yeah. number, the numbers make sense because because even making a free throw at a high school level, what fifty five to sixty percent, mostly right. free throw and shooters. So they got to make the shot, and so you're already
2: and then to tell over, them to miss yeah. and to be able to get the rebound and yeah. to have a play to do the chances of losing, I think, are relatively small.
1: Like Especially, they are small. They're like point. You're good at your victory inbounds play or sideline inbounds play. It's yeah, not you do something where you get
2: fouled and then you like. I don't know. I've been really playing, so I'm working on like a football spreadsheet thing with situations, but and I can't say I'm I've done this. And my assistant coach, who's now my RAD, was always hounding me to do it. And I'm like, you, Brett. I was like, oh
1: my god, oh my god. If I do it, we'll lose. Oh my. I mean, I I mean I have done it, and it's. Uh, I mean, you would hope at varsity basketball too. You have refs that know what's coming. Or something like that. Um, That's true. Like, I don't, when I first started coaching, like, we were so bad. My team was that, like, we didn't do a lot of specials. Like, we didn't spend a lot of time on specials because, like, we had to spend all of our time. Like, these weren't basketball players, they were football and baseball players right. playing basketball. And I was like, we're just going to keep it really simple. And I thought that fit us. Like, I see guys that are first-year coaching, like, we're going to spend 20 minutes a day on special situations. Oh, good luck. Yeah, like, that's a lot. That's and, a lot. like, Dude, and I'm you're, you're still going you to grab the ball at that time. And you're, yeah, yeah, you're still right. going to get a ton that you've <laughs> never worked on. Like, and I, I'm like you, Steve. I I hoard timeouts. I don't sub or call timeouts. <laughs> I mean, I'll
2: send you a video of my 2011 state championship game. The only we won in triple overtime, state finals, only triple overtime in 100 plus years of of Wisconsin State Tournament, and the only reason I won it is I had timeouts left. Only reason, because I literally did what you did. That other coach was doing to you. I'd foul, they'd shoot, they'd make two. We'd make, we'd make a two. And they'd make one, and then we'd make a, t- and and I just was able to slowly get it back. And then it was either the first overtime or the second overtime. The kid did a a, a Weber timeout and didn't have one. And then my point guard went, and it was a great game. It was best, one of the best games I've ever seen, and I was able to coach it. Um, but I, I'm telling you, I hoard them. I hoard them because I can, I can control the clock down the stretch.
1: We played uh, Proviso East. It was going to be like our first conference loss of the season. We were at their place down three with like 1.9 or two seconds left, I think. And we knew they were going to foul. They're not the most disciplined team in the world, but they're, I think my coach is like, I literally heard their coach yelling, make sure you foul the right guy. Right. Threw it. I mean, we had a play where we we drew it up. We've never worked on this threw it to a guy who caught it in the air and threw it right back to the inbounder who drilled a three in the corner. Cause they, I mean, that's the other thing. Like it's really hard to inbound it and not get fouled in that situation. I know no way to I know. win.
2: I'll do, I'll give you some advice that I've learned that, and I've said this on my podcast, maybe a couple times, but um, every, we never, and this is going back to hoarding timeouts on a loose ball. We never call a timeout ever ever so yeah, my like, guys know that the ball's on the floor it's a scrum we're going to get it and that they're looking to pass it out of that scrum because think about how wasted those how valuable is that possession in the second quarter on a loose really this is a math teacher me. really is it that important for me to have the ball there in the second quarter i'm not burning a time out there so on those scrums we practice it and I say you will get in trouble. If you call a timeout, I'll call one if we need one, but you will never call a timeout on a loose ball ever. Like I hate the ones when they're jumping out of bounds and they call a timeout and it's three minutes into the game. It's like that possession means nothing at that point. But that timeout, like you said, Brett, is gold down the stretch if I need it. Like, so it's it's an advantage that I don't think a lot of people have figured out in our in we in. And we have an advantage because no one knows we do that. Like, they don't know that we're not – we're never calling a timeout on a scrum ball. Ever. Ever.
3: Like, That's interesting as that you say that because haven't you had situations where the momentum has maybe shifted or changed because you perhaps didn't call the timeout in that instant?
2: If, they, if one possession causes – I got bigger issues if it's one possession that causes it to shift. Now, you might get, lose it and the guy goes down and dunks on you and then maybe that's a possession yeah. thing. But I mean, of the I've probably done this for 15 years. I can probably name maybe one or twice if that's ever happened. But no, and, and I'll tell you another thing. My sister and I were, we were texting back and forth today. I don't know if you watched the Badger-Maryland game, but Maryland went to a zone for about three minutes in that game and that's the reason they won because the Badgers didn't know what to do. So this is where we've been playing with the math of like, and I've said this on the podcast too, like usually it's three possessions and we'll get out of it. So we're going back right now and tracking last season's game and figuring out, okay, what happens at this? How many three possession scores did the opponents have where we should have maybe changed up defensively to get them out of their sink? Um, So we're going back right now. This is what we do when when we're home for vacation and covid Um, So we're going back and looking at film and and huddle and figuring out, okay, how many times did they score, 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 and we didn't change up? And then they, like you said, it's a momentum thing. Like, it's not that quantifiable thing that you can, you know, Brett and I have coached a long time. So we can, you you can kind of sense it, but there's really no, I want something quantifiable that it's like, okay, look, they scored, boom, boom, boom. We got to get out of that. And then, and I saw it again in the Badger Maryland game. It was perfect. The Maryland coach, it did it perfectly. Just went to that zone for a couple minutes. It got the Badgers kind of out of sync and then poof, that's all it took, you know, and the Badgers are scrambling the rest of the game. So um, it's again, something we're playing with to
1: see if it works, but I think it will. Um, I like it. We've done that exact same thing before three you know i'm, I'm trying to come up here's what i'm trying real. to
2: do Brett. i'm trying to come up with a, a chart to give to a damn assistant coach and go here yeah <laughs> and then you tap me on the shoulder because i don't know you know you're in the you're in the fog of war at that point so it's <laughs> like i want to so we're still working on that for how that form will kind of look but
1: um i tell people all the time they're just getting into coaching i'm like don't be the guy that's like we're just going to play man and that's all we're going to do because then eventually you're going to be like well i don't have a team to coach and that was my <laughs> first of all you're going to get
2: somebody that's a better <laughs> coach than you and has more talent than you
1: yeah They're gonna beat you. we played i mean we even went and i, I mean, i'm a man-to-man guy i'm not a i am too guy. we we i don't think we played a possession of zone this year but we were really good right like the um I've had teams <laughs> when
2: you're really good from someone that's had really good play. You could, I could literally have sat on the sideline in a lawn chair and had a margarita and it wouldn't <laughs> swear to God like, okay, you guys want to go press go. Pre- I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, as long as you're playing hard. Yeah.
1: We used to go, we used to have a two, three that we never even worked on. We would just throw it in and make a team prove they could go against it. Like every once in a while and they, we would be pressuring all over the place not causing any turnovers and we'd we'd go to 2-3 that was not real aggressive but not like on the elbows throwing it out of bounds throwing it right to hitting guys in the chest cuz they couldn't throw a, you know no good pass and we're like what the hell we just pressed all game and caused six turnovers and we got right. six out of our
2: 2-3 no and the, the thing minutes. is if you're a pressing team this is a funny thing too if you're a pressing team and you just kind of take it off for two minutes it's almost like the other po- guards are shell shocked. it's kind of like <laughs> war like if you've just been
1: bombed for so long
2: you just think everything's coming at you
1: yeah. they get Shaka like it did that at vcu when they were right in the height of all their pressure stuff full court all game all of a sudden they're sitting in a two three right and it's just a different game right and it just it, it's like this shock of like i don't know it's funny
2: it's so funny. Hey, Bill, we got about six. We got about six inches of snow here, so I know you're jealous living in California.
0: Oh, absolutely. The snowblower's yeah. been out once already. It's coming
2: the second time
0: soon. Oh man, I'm freezing, and it's 50 degrees out. <laughs>
1: Fred, are you getting hit? Are you getting hit in Illinois? We've got about four inches. Four inches. The. Uh, yeah.
0: I, I, yeah, I, I wanted to bring up. Uh, it was. It's funny when, and I, sorry, I was a little bit late, but the conversation you were having about calling the timeout on a loose ball, I I swear to you that it's been one of those things in my basketball career that I always like, I never do it either. Never. Very rarely, I should say Say never, very rarely, but I always always had assistant coaches or other coaches look at me like, and parents, okay. Is he going to call the timeout? No. Is it, is it coming now? What about and then question question me afterwards. Why didn't you call like not like hey, I'm curious, why didn't you call it like why didn't you call that time out? I'm like, because it really doesn't matter. Right. It didn't really matter, right? Or even I don't know how you guys feel about this, the saved loose balls, right? reaching out of bounds trying to yeah we were
2: talking balls. about that that, that okay. like
0: diving out and, and diving then, oh, and then throwing it in it's like yeah. okay
2: there's Good. plenty of
1: those to call in the fourth quarter like when you're up six and all of a sudden there's a scrum great time right
2: and then we yeah. have rules about that like yeah. i'll I'll tell them coming out of a 30 i said hey loose ball, we're taking one now like they they gotta be able to shift but it's like anything most of the game we're not calling one and it's like I, I'm telling you, and I, and we did chart this a year ago or two years ago. We got, like, 85% of the balls. Like, because we knew we were diving on it. And then every the other four guys know that they can get the ball and go do something. Like, mm-hmm. so they're all excited because it's like someone's on the floor. And now if we they know we're not going to, like, have to set aside out of bounds. So the other four are moving to try to get the ball because usually there's an advantage at that point.
0: I did this uh, loose ball drill that is so stupid, but it, you know, uh, we would be going along doing our practice, whatever. And I would just throw a ball, right. Or two balls, you know, yell out loose and every, you know, and I want to see, I girl, girls. And I want to see, you know, all 12 girls fighting for that ball. And it translated to the game. It was just completely random though. It wasn't like a, we're doing the loose ball drill now, right? It was just completely random. There. I like
2: that. I like that. I like that they're doing it in the I've never done it in the middle of a I've done the, like switch drill, but have never done it in the middle. I like that.
0: Yeah, just randomly, just whenever I felt like it, if we, you know, just call it out loose and I would throw the ball to the opposite end of the court and everybody would just better go and chase it down. Uh, most of the times they
3: did. Yeah, we make that competition. The the last person that touched the ball had to do like burpees or maybe a yeah exactly thing. that's so, what we
2: yeah. do. Too. Yeah, Put your yeah. hand on it, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always worried about somebody breaking a wrist or something. There's so wow. I'm a, I've, I've I've doctors who are I have a friend who's a hand doctor and he's explained how many little bones there are in
3: here and it freaks me out, you know. Because um, I had one player uh, literally land on top of the ball, knock his knock his breath out for a good minute or two. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about like that.
2: All right. Does anybody have any specific things they want to talk about? I'm, I've given you my like philosophy stuff.
4: <laughs> I, had, I had a question yes. from last week. Um, probably open to anybody. Uh, do y'all have a, a set process as when you put in a new play, how to make sure that the kids grasp the full concept. Because what I found is when I put something in, every player learns like one position in the play. But then what you, when it comes game time, the substitutions are all kind of mixed up. And, and then, like, for example, even on defense, I was doing a one-through-one press, and this kid was used to playing on the left. He's like, Coach, I've never played on the right. And I was like, it's the same thing. You know, it's just, do you all have a process of, of uh, you know, making sure that everyone understands the concept of the entire play?
3: I know for me, uh, and this is a great example, because last season we had two of our best players. We had the first one get sick. And then we had another one uh, literally two or three days later break his hand while the first player came back. So I made sure that we had at least uh, a good chunk of days before our next game. I I would probably say two or three days, you know, would probably be for me personally ideal. I don't know about the rest of your coaches, but uh, just two or three days, you know, before your next game, that way you can introduce it and then kind of have them go through it. And then the next day, you know, maybe implement some drills or some sort of aspects of the offense. And then maybe your third day before the game, run it live against defense. Uh, That's kind of personally how I would do it. Or, you know, uh, obviously naturally at the beginning of the season. But, you know, if you have different personnel coming in and out, you know, I would definitely find a chunk of days before your next game to kind of, you know, see what uh, your players can pick up and not pick up with it. If, if that makes sense for you, man.
4: Yeah, no, it, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I guess, I'm looking for like a, like a, step by step process. You know, this is we, we first we draw it on the board, and then we, you know, like because so, yeah. So That's the,
2: why I don't of, know what yeah. anybody said, but the teacher in me is going to tell right. you you have everyone learns differently. Right, right, right. So one kid has to walk through it. Uh, two starters might have to see it on paper. Another right. starter <laughs> might need to see video. So you basically, every way a kid can possibly learn, you have to make, one kid might need to draw it out. Like, that's why I have a, a, a handbook. I make them bring a notebook to all our stuff. Some kids learn by actually doing it themselves. Some of them will can actually see it once. Some, so you literally have to do it every possible way because they're all, I mean, I might have a kid that has 100 IQ, which is average. For those of you, I'm a stats teacher. And then I might have a kid that has 165 IQ on the same floor. So it's like, this kid's going to learn one way. This kid's going to learn the other. So from a a learning standpoint, that's what I've learned is I got to give them as many because I'm not sure which one's going to click. Mm -hmm. um that's why i still do paper scouts and i still do odd i still do our scout together and then i do i send it to them and then i make them walk through it and i do because i'm never 100 percent sure which way by the end of the season i kind of know how they all learn but not definitely not
3: early Um, i know i i drew it out first and then uh those players who do get it for example will come with me and then those who aren't 100% sure about the play would go with the assistant coach, and then they can go through it it's more more in depth, more step-by-step. Step. Um, you know, that way, at the end of the practice, hopefully, you know, everyone's goal is to be on the same page. And
2: and you can notice it not a lot of bounce plays a little mm-hmm. bit in the sense that I'm right. – like the, the kid that has no idea is always throwing it in or something because they're clueless. Right. But I <laughs> – I mean, you just got to move. You got to make them go to other spots,
4: right? That's Like nice. you yeah.
2: have, like, you have, like, okay, go to a different, go to a spot you haven't been to go to a spot. I have found the drawing out themselves. First of all, it's a, it's comical the first time you do it because none right. of them going to draw a basketball court. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Literally the lane will look like this. I swear to God, it, will, it looks like a, it's crazy. They can't even draw. It's horrible, but make them draw some courts and then actually, you know, that has really worked well recently for me. Um, and I'll do that actually pre-game on opposing teams. So we'll go find we'll, – we'll do a couple things that I've done recently that I've seen to work. We'll do a – we'll get to the school. Sophomores are playing. We'll go find a classroom at the school, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring a little thing, and we'll watch five minutes of tape just to remind them of the keys. And then I will give them a blank scout and say, "Here you go," and they are freaked out because we're playing in 40 minutes, and if they don't know it, and I see they don't know it, it's like, "Well, I guess you, are you ready?" Like, and and again, if my star doesn't get it, I'll I'll tend to work with them. Okay,
4: but changing the offense. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll figure something out but it's like, you know, the six man doesn't get it. It's like, Ooh, are you really ready? Kind of thing. Um,
0: Yeah. I'd like Steve. I, I show them multiple ways of doing, doing it. Uh, I found two, I actually have, I give them a blank, you know, eight and a half by 11 basketball court. They draw it out themselves. Then I have them show their parents and then their parents have to sign it and then they bring it back to me signed that they showed their parents. Oh. Uh, and a lot of them appreciate a lot of the parents appreciate that just to be, you know, involved. To be talking I mean, to their kids. They yeah, just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I always I, you know, the, the teacher in me, and I'm not a teacher, a uh, uh, trained teacher, but I always think that if you can show someone how to do it, you really have to think it through and you know, uh, and know every step. And I think that's key for some learners um video that's a great I point that's a great point bill that te- the best way to learn something is
2: to teach it yeah i remember this was an eon ago i walked into a class a teaching class and the professor handed me a rule sheet for a card game and said now you have to teach everybody this card game and it was like holy crud it was like one of the hardest yeah. things i've ever done because i now i can i could pro- i could probably still teach you that card game because i learned <laughs> exactly it yeah it is <laughs> And I mean, because I had I had to learn it, then I had to teach it to someone else. Yeah. Um, you know, teach someone how to play sheep's head or at Euchre or something like that. Right. Like that. So I think that's a great point, is like that's why sometimes I put like when we do breakdown and we're doing I don't know if Brett does this too with his team, but I'll I'll have put five guys <laughs> and I'll have them run through it. And then I said all five of you are responsible. If we don't get this, there's gonna be a consequence or something. The other ones, mm-hmm. the ones that get it will help the ones that don't get it. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, then
2: you, you know, yeah. there's that there's that built in teacher and the like holy crud, we don't have them teach like
1: not... if yeah, it's good. a varsity player, have them teach it to the sophomore team, yeah. sophomore to the freshman. Yeah, period I just peer-to-peer. want to know is sheep's head a real game or is this a Wisconsin game that you <laughs> that's play? a Wisconsin game. <laughs> You've never played <laughs> Sheep's head? No. I, okay totally i would put, sounds it, like I know, put it, it in that. my
2: top 10 games of all time probably i don't know
1: how to play euchre for the exact oh self. my gosh
2: euchre's euchre's like the easy man i can actually have a couple drinks and play euchre because there aren't that many trump it's like trying to play bridge or sheep if you start drinking you'll you'll miss stuff you can't really do it she euchre i could do in my sleep
1: um, i've got i've got one that's like not anything w- to do with what your, these guys have been talking about with teaching, but we've made an adjustment. I've actually been working on something for t hoops with this. So we blew up the way we call, like, players, like, positions. So we do – and I think this helps them actually remember it because they only have to remember two positions. So we call everything – we got rid of post players. And I have had stud post players. Like I've been blessed every year. I've been a varsity coach. I've had the best post. Okay, So
2: before we go any farther, Brett Bill's laughing right now, because we were talking this afternoon about positions. It's like the number two search engine for basketball coaches is basketball (laughs) positions. So I think that's funny that you're
1: (laughs) you're basically nuking that. I think it's funny. The uh, so we call our bigs stretch guys. So, like, you don't, you're mm-hmm. not a post anymore. You're a stretch. Mm-hmm. Even if I will never play you on the perimeter, you can still be listed as a stretch. Mm-hmm. And then wings. And we might sometimes say it's a guard or whatever, but we run like a lot of one, three, one sets, a lot of horn sets, and it folds right into that. Everything we do, we take the, we until the end of the game, we always have our four and five take the ball out. So, like, they always trail our point guard. So, like we have a, the first stretch is goes to the rim or whatever your philosophy is on your transition the second stretch is the trailer if we're doing a horn set you have two guys that go to the stretch and then you only put your smartest players as guys that play both like those are all only to, like uh, you're you not put stupid guys they, that play both yeah. but like I have one of my best no, you don't players, have
2: like a guy that brings so any of the wings can bring the ball up
1: Well, that's where we will make some changes. Like we might designate like a third position as a guard. And usually they kind of figure it out. Like, you know, there's always a guard that wants nothing to do with bringing the ball up the court (laughs) versus pressure. There's ones that have to, Um, but really, I think that's helped us because then it gives them like a little bit better idea (laughs) of like what to do on the floor of where to go. Like what kind of a role do I have as a stretch guy or a guard you know, like we're we don't run a we don't run a big to the post anymore because even when I had a six eleven Division one kid that played in the Big Ten, he could never score on rim running, and it kept oh, my guard. I swear to God,
2: if I watch one more video on YouTube about rim rim run, it, it, it's I've had a big I've had I've had pro guys, I've had Big Ten guys, I've had SEC guys that are like six nine, and they've never scored on that cut. Yeah. I don't know why. But. I think
1: I had Barrett Benson who played at Northwestern. The kid literally scored like 12 points on like transition rim. Now he got some breakouts and right threw, threw down some pretty big dunks. But that's not a rim run what they're no. talking about. Steve, the one I really liked, I was actually watching somebody talk about two-side break on your uh, thing. Yeah. And he had the guy stop at the free throw line. And that's one of the things we've started doing. Of talking about stopping there and hell we'll even have the first stretch run to the free throw line if you don't get an easy basket turn around and back screen the other stretch yeah i like that it i like that break because it what it does is it
2: leaves the other side open too so then if you got somebody that can create and gets the ball on that side i do like that i've never had any chance with the rim running i know it's crazy
1: And it blocks your guard from getting to the rim. You have your player and their guy guarding, basically guarding the rim. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening.
2: Um, If you'd like to support us, go over and check out teachups.com for coaches who want to get better. Also, subscribe and like. We do appreciate those. Have a great day.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.